In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. This is the Daily Memphian Politics Podcast. I'm Bill Drees. Our main event is City Council candidate Kat Allen and the Pledge for Progress. Top of the podcast, Southern Heritage Classic Tailgating and Cooper Young Festival crowd work for just about every serious campaign out there as early voting gets underway in advance of the October 3rd Memphis Election Day. As we record this, early voting underway as of Friday, September 13th. Friday the 13th. Well, a few numbers from four years ago to keep in mind as we track the turnout over the next two weeks. 50,135. That's how many early votes were cast four years ago in the race for Memphis mayor. It wound up being 49% of the total votes cast. The 2015 early voting total is the second highest early vote in the last five city elections, including the 2009 special election for mayor. The highest early early vote of the five was 74,300 in 2007. More numbers from four years ago, 2,979, the first day early vote and absentee total, 23,614, the first week total for early voting four years ago. Early voter turnout across the seven single-member city council districts varies depending on how hotly contested the races are. Four years ago, the early voter turnout in the districts ranged from 4,600 in District 7 to 10,298 in District 5. The six council super district seats, though, three in Super District 8 and three in Super District 9, had a more consistent early voter turnout in 2015 between 21,755 and 24,746. The Shelby County Republican Party out with an endorsement ballot in the nonpartisan Memphis elections. No endorsement in the mayor's race, a departure from four years ago when the local GOP endorsed Jim Strickland. Local party chairman Chris Tudor told us on the podcast earlier this year that this might happen with new party rules, barring endorsements of Democrats even in nonpartisan elections. The local GLP has endorsed Frank Colvett's bid for re-election in Council District 2, incumbent Worth Morgan in District 5, Chase Carlisle's Super District 9, Position 1, Ford Canale for a full term in Position 2, and Cody Fletcher in the open Position 3 seat. So endorsements in five of the 13 council races. Shelby County Clerk Wanda Halbert very vocal in saying County Mayor Lee Harris should have consulted her about his idea of a $145 a year fee on every car over two cars per address in the county, including commercial fleets. The fee is to raise county funding for the Memphis Area Transit Authority. This is just a part of the negative feedback Harris has gotten to the idea. Harris telling Arlinda Moore that he took his proposal to the county commission first 
because of his experience as a city council member finding out about matters the council would have to vote on after others outside City Hall knew about it. Halbert served on the council with Harris, and not finding out about such items first was a constant complaint she had during her council terms. It happened so frequently that other council members sometimes criticized Halbert for not being more aggressive in seeking out information instead of waiting for it to be delivered, literally, in paper form, instead of going online for it. In this case, Halbert says her office will will have a role in implementing such a fee if it's approved, and she should have been told about it. The precise mechanics of the controversial proposal are still a work in progress. Arlington nearing the end of its early voting period in advance of the September 19th election day there. A race for mayor along with three aldermen positions and two school board seats on the ballot through Thursday. 1,169 citizens had voted early and Friday and Saturday will round out the early voting period there. That is more than the nearly 800 citizens who voted on election day and in early voting four years ago in Arlington. Our Abigail Warren breaking the story out of Collierville about Republican State Representative Kevin Vaughn leaving the Collierville School Board either by the end of this year or once the Collierville Board of Mayor and Aldermen settle on his replacement, whichever comes first. Vaughn saying the legislature, especially in the upcoming session with a new speaker and House leadership, demands his full attention. We are joined now by Kat Allen, a candidate for Memphis City Council on the October 3rd ballot and one of five council candidates who have recently signed a pledge for progress. You're running for City Council Super District 8, Position 3, and we will get into that in just a bit. But as one of the five council candidates who have have signed the pledge for progress, talk talk a little bit about how the statement came about. Yep. So... First of all, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Um, So the statement came about from a a couple of different places. Um, The first was, as as you know, this is a council race in which there's not a single seat that's going unopposed. um, And more often than not, it's by somebody who is running for office for the first time. Um, So that's that's a bit unprecedented as far as as elections in Memphis go. Um, And in talking to other first-time candidates, a lot of folks were having some difficulty without having gobs of money in the bank, um, sort of getting their message out and elevating themselves. And a lot of these folks I know personally and have known for a while, and I know that they do good, worthwhile work. They're honest people. um, And we're aligned on so many issues. And so that kind of feeds into the second way that it came about was when I've been out talking to voters over the last several months, um, one of the things that I hear is, I just want somebody in office that is going to be honest and work with other people to get things done. You know, people um, in Memphis and certainly across the country believe that politics is about as divisive as it's ever been. And so this came from a place of wanting to unite and signal boost the worthy message of progressive candidates and also wanting to show the voters of Memphis that there are, in fact, people with smart policy ideas and a desire to serve who are going to work together. Mm-hmm. So one of the points in, in the pledge is no corporate campaign contributions, but political action committees, PACs as, as they're known, 
that's a little bit more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit more nuanced, and so and so is the language in that, okay. right? So um, we know that there are progressive PACs who have endorsed candidates, um, and these are PACs that certainly are are out there doing good work and getting good people elected. Um, there are also PACs that are served by folks in special interests um, that are not inherently connected to one particular corporation, but may take money from certain corporations. And so we were careful in that language. And the great thing about this Pledge for Progress is, yes, I crafted the message. Yes, ultimately, I sat down to type it out. Um, But I workshopped it with other candidates and said, let's make sure that this language is as inclusive as possible. So that point about corporate donations and PACs says PACs that work against the values outlined herein. So what that does is it doesn't disqualify any candidate who has taken money from Emily's list, say. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are taking FedEx money, then I, I just don't know that that we're the cohort for you. Okay, um, and and to to your point about about working this out because this this is a uh, a document on which five city council candidates, yourself included, have have signed on. It mentions redistricting, yep. redrawing the council district boundaries, which will be a responsibility of the council that takes office in January once the 2020 U.S. Census is done and on the books. Some of you, two of you to be exact, have specifically said you think the council super districts should be done away with when the time comes for redistricting. Is that what the language in the pledge means? It's, quote, common sense structural reforms as we approach the impending redistricting of our city. Or is this more open-ended than just let's go to 13 single-member districts? So, yes, and. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it is a little bit more open-ended than that because we know that redistricting is a concrete issue that we'll face. Um, and what we also know is that the, the super districts in Memphis – don't necessarily continue to serve this body of government and serve the citizens in the way that it originally did. So 13 seats on the council, I think a lot of folks are saying 13 single member districts, um, just because that makes the most sense, because that's how many seats there currently are. I'm not opposed to looking at what it would look like if there were more than 13, exactly 13. I don't know that less than 13 is the answer. Um, I say all of that to say, I don't know that there's a magic number, but I do know that what we have to work toward is a city government where proportional representation is much easier than it is now. You've been covering politics for a long time, Bill, so you know that to run in a super district means that you need a ton of time, ton of volunteers, and ideally a ton of money. So for grassroots progressives like me, um, early ground game is everything. And even with that, unless you've got a real war chest, it's difficult to be competitive. And it should be about policy and ideas and service that makes you competitive. Mm-hmm. So, so given the political facts of life at, at, as they exist now, why, why did you choose to run in a super district? Well, I chose to run in a super district primarily because um, my feelings about a united progressive front in this city precede this document. So when I was weighing my options, and to be clear, I, I had not originally, I think we've discussed this before, I had not originally planned to run in this particular cycle, which is why I didn't file until July. Mm-hmm. Um, I had originally planned to run in the the next cycle after that. But I saw what was happening. I saw folks whose work I really admired jumping in the race. And then I saw what races did not have any challengers at all or, at the risk of sounding precocious, uh, real contenders for those seats, right? 
Um, and I looked at, so my single member district is four. And so four was my original thought when I had decided a couple of years ago, I want to run for city council. Um, and how I decided that is a really fun story, perhaps for another day. Um, but I looked at who was in that race and it was Brittany Thornton. And when we think about what, um, when we think about how much representation truly matters, um, not just in media and entertainment, but in government as well. And when we think about um, length of service, type of service and proportional representation, I can't think of a better challenger for Jamita Swearingen than Brittany Thornton. And so I did not, as a fellow progressive, want to stand in her way. So I looked at the rest of Super 8 and I see folks like J.B. Smiley and I see folks like Frank Johnson, who I know you've you've talked to at length. Um, and these are people that, you know, when I picture us on the council together, I see a group of people who can legitimately move Memphis forward. So it, it was a little bit of political calculus in mm-hmm. that regard. Mm-hmm. And, and and as we've talked about this before, some of this came about from from conversations that you all have had just in being at forums and and hearing everybody's pitch to voters over and over again until you basically know what the other guy's going to say in in these in these uh settings so it kind of grew from there from those conversations too yeah yeah you know um I, I know that Frank has been a fierce advocate for environmental justice and housing justice in his community, and I've definitely admired that. Um, you know, Theron and I have spent a lot of time together at uh, demonstrations and marches and in the council chambers, and and you start seeing the same folks sort of over and over again kind of saying the same stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we thought Memphis is, is at a an incredibly pivotal point, not just politically, but economically in terms of the demographics of our city. Um, and, and we have a choice to make, and I believe it is in this election, what, what direction the city is going to head in. I think we're, um, we're at a critical crossroads. And when I saw some of the other folks who had been planning, you know, their runs for a while, I thought, this could be something really transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the pledge is something new for council races that that's not just about the conduct of the campaign, but about what happens after the election. What, what was your goal here to get a, a potential majority on the council of a, a voting block of, of some kind? Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a, an extremely happy unintended consequence. Um, and, and I will say that um, since that pledge was made public um, through the Daily Memphian. I have had a couple of additional <laughs> candidates come to me and say, "Okay, oh, gosh, is it too late to sign? So, mm-hmm. you know, if we're trying to get to seven, we're there. Um, but but really what it's about is one of the other things that I, I hear out talking to voters um, and things that I myself have said is people campaign using the best possible version of themselves. And we think that that's exactly what we're going to get for two years, four years, eight years, however long the term is. And so many folks in eight have been so terribly disappointed by the performance of their council members. Um, I know that specifically because I'm I, I'm in 8-3, I have to talk about it. Voters have been extremely disappointed with the performance of my opponent, of, of Martavius Jones. They feel like there were some really easy issues that he could have voted with his constituency and with their wishes on, and he chose not to do it time and time again. Um, it, it, he's, he's also 
car he's, he's carved out his own identity on the council, his, his own political identity, even before that, with, with, with his time on on the school board. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're you're looking at someone who is a member of the block that is considered to be pro development mm-hmm. on the council mm-hmm. necessarily. So. So what what do you what do you hear on the campaign trail when when you hear him speak? I mean, do you hear someone who you absolutely disagree with on everything or do you hear someone who who maybe you agree on a few things, maybe you don't agree on some others? Yeah, I hear somebody who ideologically we're we're fairly aligned on many things. Um, there are some issues that, as you know, we have bitter, bitter differences on, such as ranked choice voting and, and things of that nature. Um, I, I hear somebody ideologically that I could really be aligned with, but as somebody who for the last four years has been supposedly one of the staunchest progressives on this council, and certainly that's what he campaigned on, I think there was an opportunity for a demonstration of real leadership and real unification um, that was, unfortunately, it's been a missed opportunity in his first term. And so I think this next council, particularly if the pro-development contingent continues to have a strong performance, as I imagine they very likely will, um, there has to be a, a strong leader on the council who is going to fight for everyday people and fight for progressive values. I'm, I'm going to kind of channel Martavius Jones here and and say that that he may he may argue that um, getting things done on the council depends on on having seven votes to do it and he hasn't always had seven votes for some of the positions so do you hold that against him I don't necessarily hold that against him I think my position would be Let's take a look at some of the things that the council has been unified on that they haven't found difficulty finding seven votes for. Um, They didn't have difficulty finding seven votes to push a ballot initiative to extend their term limits. They didn't have difficulty finding seven votes to put repealing ranked choice voting or instant runoff voting, as it's known here in Memphis, uh, back on the ballot, which is insane because... 71% 71% of the city overwhelmingly voted in favor against it in 2008 and 2018. So in my view, when it comes to things that appear to be solely self-serving, it's not a problem getting seven votes. So this is about the times when he was part of the majority on the council, not the times when he didn't have the votes, in your view. Yeah, because, you know, he he talks a lot about how he's been able to to really garner votes. And so I look at things that they were able to rally on. And those are the things that I see, you know, and then you have other unanimous or nearly unanimous votes like the Waste Connections vote where he's on record saying he didn't think it was a good idea, but he voted the way that he did because he knew that that's what his constituent wanted. And it's an election year. I mean, what kind of leadership is that? So would your vote have been for the project? I have such issues with that vote, and I'm not here to say that it was an easy vote for anyone to take, right? Um, I think that Waste Connections had multiple opportunities to address resident complaints prior to um, it coming to the council, and and I think that they knew what was coming down the pipeline. I think I think it was it was unfortunately a bad vote. You know, you couldn't win for losing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so you talked about looking far enough ahead to, to think about a district four run in 20, in the 2023, uh, uh, city elections. So you've obviously thought about this for a pretty good period 
of time running for elected office. Mm-hmm. Now that you're in this campaign process, was it what you thought it would be? Yes and no. It was every bit as gratifying and exciting uh, as I thought it would be. I have not sat at a single forum or talked to a single voter or um, attended a fundraiser or had coffee with another candidate that that I have not left feeling like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, The only thing that has been sort of unexpected, and perhaps this sounds naive, the only thing that has been sort of unexpected is, you know, in Memphis, what we know is that we have a low voter turnout. We have a a disengaged, disinvested um, electorate, and in many instances, who can blame them? Um, I I was surprised to see how low the conversion rate actually is between folks who say, like, we want this, and why isn't the city doing this, and this has to change. And then when you go to say, great, well, I'm in favor of all of those things too. Can you phone bank for a couple of hours? Because this is an all-volunteer operation. Um, The conversion rate from from words to action for the campaign trail is a lot lower than I thought it was going to be. Is is there an answer to that? Is this a function of the time we're in? Or is this a function of of maybe where citizens have been for quite a long time? Yeah, gosh. Um, I think we could have a three-hour discussion about that on its own. So I think it's probably a couple of things. I think that um, the fact that social media has permeated every aspect of our lives sort of um, deludes us into believing that putting an opinion on the Internet is the work, right? Mm -hmm. And certainly there are times where it's helpful, but that's not the work. Um, So you combine that with a city that – has a lot of potential and we spend a lot of time talking about the potential, but we haven't had a lot of leaders who have worked um, with innovative thinking and with resolve to really tackle these issues. So you hear a lot from people about how like, listen, Memphis is always going to be this way. It's, you know, there's nothing that you can do about it. Better to just take your family and go out to the suburbs before the property values get too high. So, so there's um, there's a lot of voter exha- exhaustion from years and years of of empty campaign promises. And like I said, I can't necessarily blame them, but truly, the only way to change it is to support people that have a track record of doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um- Part of of running for public office is telling people over and over again about who you are and where you've been and tell us about that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. So um, so I'm Kat Allen, and I'm a a working mother and a wife. Um, I'm a community organizer and an activist. I've lived in Memphis for most of my life, save for a brief stint at Indiana University. Um, Hopefully people will forgive me for going that far north, but um, it was worth it, I think. Uh, I grew up in Texas. I moved to Memphis when I was nine, actually. So all my family is from here, but I lived in Houston for a while. And um, I grew up watching women like Barbara Jordan legislate for the state of Texas and was so inspired by her vision and leadership that um, I think I might have alluded to this earlier. I've known that I wanted to run for public office since I was a very little girl um, from from watching women like Barbara just get it done for her people. Um, and so when I came to Memphis, I, you know, I left to go to college and came back and 
um, people are like, why would you come back? Why would you possibly come back? And and it's true. There is something about this city that um, that is magnetizing, and and we have so much potential and promise. And and I just don't think that we can ever fully realize that potential without folks really digging their heels in and fighting for it. And so that's who I am. I'm I'm just a regular woman with a child and a husband, and um, a burning desire to see this city be what I know it can be. All right. As we record this, we are on day one of early voting, and you've been out having a look around. Yep. Uh, what 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 kind of mood do you think voters are in around this town as as they actually start voting? Yep. Well, um, I've been to three polling places so far today. Um, after I leave here, I'm I'm going to pick my daughter up from school and um, hit up a couple more before the polls close. And I think it kind of depends. My favorite thing about early voting is that each polling place has its own sort of personality. Um, so you have mm-hmm. your own little um, voting blocks at the different places. And people seem to, today people were very focused. They just want to go in and vote and get it done. Um, but they don't seem upset about it. You know, they were happy, but they were like, hey, good to talk to you. I'll shake your hand, but I know what I'm here to do. And so I have a lot of hope that people have been paying attention this cycle and went into the voting booth knowing the type of Memphis they wanted to see and voting accordingly. All right. Kat Allen is a candidate for Memphis City Council, Super District 8, Position 3. Memphis Grizzlies President Jason Wexler is our guest on Behind the Headlines this week on WKNO Channel 10. Joining Eric Barnes will be our Chris Harrington. The show can also be heard on the Behind the Headlines podcast. We will be live tweeting Arlington election results Thursday evening, September 19th, after the polls close at 7 p.m. We will be posting results until the last vote is in and counted. As early voting begins, all of our political coverage on the Memphis election up to this point and the coverage to come can be found on our elections page. Subscribe to The Daily Memphian at dailymemphian.com. You can subscribe to this podcast at Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at DM and at Daily Memphian. I'm Bill Drees. The Daily Memphian Politics Podcast is produced by Natalie Van Gundy and comes to you on the OAM Network. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.